0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service.
1: Please have a seat. Happy New Year! 2017, here we go! Um, Before we get started, I want to thank everyone that was involved in our Christmas Eve service. Amazing time for us at Grace. The people that helped decorate and make the place look just you know, just beautiful, right? Uh, Extravagant in some respects. And then uh, the maintenance crew, the music people, the volunteers that worked all around in greeting and then with the children's ministry, we had to have the candlelight service this year, first time in this uh, new facility. And we had the largest attendance that we've ever had on any of our Christmas Eve services uh, significantly, over 26, more than 26% than any other time. So give yourselves a hand for bringing people. There you go. First time we've done three services, and it worked. Had a, some great conversations afterwards with people that wanted to say yes to whatever God was bringing them to. It's good, good Christmas Eve. Um, new Year's, new things. It's a breakthrough year. We're gonna, we're, that's what our prayer will be, a breakthrough year. And I want to remind some of you and inform others of what your status is in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what your status is. Every believer is a royal priest. Every believer is a royal priest. Watch what Peter says in his first epistle, chapter 2. He says, For you are, that's you, you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession, and as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Look, look at the lavish layering of the status that we have with Him, right? It starts off, you are a chosen people. He chose you, like out of adoption. He picked you and said, yeah, you're mine, to be a royal priest. There's priests in the Older Testament, and then there's royal priests. The highest-ranking priest, the person that goes and talks to God about people and to, to the people about God, that's what you get. That's part of your status to being part of this holy nation, Right? And then, and then finally, God's very own possession. Remember Toy Story? You know, Buzz Lightyear, you're just a toy, but you're Andy's toy. He wrote your name on your soul. That's God on our soul. He wrote His name on our soul. God's very own possession. That status. So that, so that we can share with others the goodness of God. <laughs> Boom right? That's who we are, right? I'm just, look, I'm just a pastor, all right? You guys are the, you're the ministers. I'm just a pastor. You guys are the ministers because everyone is a royal priest, a royal minister, okay? And, and I would imagine that you would feel the weight of ministry. What, is, what does it say? To bring, right, other, the, to others the goodness of God. Uh, there's a word for that. It's evangelism. It's telling people about the gospel. It's telling people about Jesus. It's telling people about grace transforms. And we should feel a responsibility, certainly. And the gravity of that could weigh heavy on us. It can be conducive to fear. But I want to tell you why you shouldn't feel that, the weight or the fear. Because one, status. You're a royal priest. You're part of a holy nation. You've been chosen by God. Uh, You're you're, uh, His very own possession. So there's that, right? That should give you confidence in the ministry that God has for you. You're the minister, right? Here's another reason not to be overworked or too fearful in the ministry God has for you in 2017. Because he has set you up to win. He's set you up to win big. He's been planning from the foundations of the world. Look what it says in Ephesians 2, right? It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God prepared ahead of time in advance for us to do. I mean, the sovereignty of God, that word means that God has power and a plan to make the plan work. And in God's sovereignty, he put you here now. If there was more effective time for you to exist, he would have put you there. If there was a better place for you to live your life in ministry, he would have placed you in that other place at another time. But this is it, the the idea is, is, He he has arranged ahead of time for you to do good works in Jesus Christ so that you can bring the knowledge of the goodness of God to people. Now, it's not just your status. It's that he's setting you up for for good things. He's planned ahead of time for that. The third thing I want you to consider so that you see a certain amount of confidence in the ministry God has for you in this lifetime is that you're just going to do the easy stuff. I mean, that's what success is in ministry. You need to know this. You just do the easy stuff. A human soul is eternal and he's not going to trust it to you. <laughs> I mean, it's too valuable. He wouldn't delegate that to an angel, he won't delegate that to us. And, and so we, he's just gonna, he's gonna, he lets us play a part, but it's a small part, it's a simple part, it's the easy part. And let me, let me, let me explain. The longer you live, the more you'll come to understand that. It's 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 not a people don't f- repent because of a conversation, because of a person in their life, or because maybe a circumstance. It, it's 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 more profound than that. Now those things all are a small part. We need to be able to give an answer. We need to engage in relationships. We need to watch for circumstances, those sorts of things. But they don't cause it to happen. Those are just the little things. You've got to understand that you do the small things, the easy things, and let the Holy Spirit do the hard stuff. Let the Holy Spirit do the hard stuff. The hard stuff is that transformation of a soul. Let me, let me show you how uh, I can have confidence with this truth. Before Jesus was leaving, he was telling, this is his last hours on earth, and he tells his disciples that he's going to be leaving, and they're starting to figure out that he's not kidding and, they, and they're trying to talk him out of it. And he goes, no, 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 look, it's better that I leave. It's much better that I leave. Con- I'm constrained by locality. And if I leave, then the Father will send the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and he can be everywhere all the time, and he has a job to do the hard stuff. Look what it says in John 16. And when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt regarding, uh, in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me it's the conviction of it's the conviction a person has of sin that changes a soul okay and that's the that's the hard part and that's why God's spirit is is to do that right his the spirit's job is to bring a person to desperation to ask the question how can a person have a right relationship with God with all this contamination in their lives, and then our job is to simply give the answer. We're not the answer. We just give the answer. God's Spirit is to make them ask the question, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. It's not our responsibility to make a person drink it. It's God's Spirit to make them thirsty, right? And then, and then we come and say, well, what do we do? We, we advertise the water. It's living water. Jesus calls himself the living water. It's it's cold. It's it's fresh. It will quench the soul's needs. That's all we do. We're just doing the little stuff, the easy stuff. God's spirit does the hard stuff. Let me. I'll give you another example of how this is a true value of success in ministry. When Paul's talking about his ministry, and he's kind of being compared to another guy named Apollos, he says, "Listen." He goes, "This is the fundamentals of farming." I'll just do the easy stuff. God is causing miraculous growth to take place, right? So he's just using fundamentals of farming to teach this definition of ministry success. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. I planted, Apollos watered. That's the easy stuff, right? But God caused the growth. That's the hard stuff. So neither is the one who plants nor the one who waters anything. Why? Because that's just easy stuff. And God who causes the growth fundamentals of farming, right? No one goes up to someone, uh, hey, did you you make that flower? Did I make that flower? I put a seed in the ground, and I spilled some water on it. That's not making it. I just do the easy stuff. That's all God wants. The point is, God has planned for you great ministry in 2017. And you should have confidence in great ministry because, one, of your status, you are a royal priest. Two, you should have confidence because in the, this is the fullness of time. For such a time as this, right, some of you know that from Esther, where she realizes, hey, I'm queen for a reason. Everyone's Esther. It, For such a time as this, you exist now for good works that he arranged before the foundations of the world. That's the second reason you ought to be confident in ministry that you're doing. And third, you need to understand the definition of success. This is the definition. You'll repeat it just in a second here. But you do the easy stuff, leave the hard stuff to the Holy Spirit. That's ministry success. Let's just all say that together, right? Start with you. You do… So you can do that. You can, God has great ministry plans for you, royal priests. I'm just a pastor. You guys are doing the ministry, and and you can do this because this is the definition of success. How are you going to do your ministry? I mean, what's your what's your plan? Do you have a plan? Is there like a method? Is there you going know, to wing it? I would like to propose to you an outline that uh, we came up with, I don't know, 15 years ago uh, from some national group that soon faded after that, but they, they showed us that the ministry outline of Jesus Christ is a nice rhyme, it's, but it's the way He sees life. See, this isn't a program. If a church tries to make a program out of it, 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 it kind of wrecks the art of it. It is a way of perceiving all of reality. It is a way of seeing your, like you put your priest ministry eyes on, here's what you hear. You see what Jesus did. Here was Jesus' outline in ministry, prayer, care, share, just like that, prayer, care, share. You look at the ministry of Jesus, he starts his ministries with prayer. He's always wanting to know the Father's will, he's wanting the courage to do it. Then he looks for opportunities to care for people, right, feeding them, healing them, blah. And then he shares with them that the kingdom of God is at hand. He introduces himself to them. That's our model. And if you can just remember the rhyme, prayer, care, share, you'll have an outline for ministry, a way of seeing life. Prayer. We start with prayer. You know why? Because prayer acknowledges anybody that prays, for the most part, they're saying, I'm in over my head. I need help. And so by definition, you're, you're you're appealing to this definition of success where I'm just doing the easy stuff. I'm letting the Holy Spirit do the hard stuff. So when you pray, you say, God, only you can convict a person of sin. Uh, God, you're, this is your area. I just want to do the easy stuff. So you pray. The second part of a prayer in ministry is give me the courage to do the easy stuff. Start with prayer. Then you look for opportunities to care for people. Caring is... It's an end, and it's a means to an end. It's an end. Caring for people is the right thing to do no matter what. It's always good to care for people. It's also good to care for people as a means to an end, as a way of getting an audience, as a way of showing love, as a way of having someone lend you a listening ear, developing a close relationship. In my opinion, my belief, a strong belief, is the current best method of caring for people in America is... In their relationships. They're, our culture does not know how to have good, long-term, intimate relationships. And we were designed for long-term, intimate relationships. And so we all know we're broken, but we don't know how to get fixed. In other words, if you can lure, lead, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it, the, the Holy Spirit makes them thirsty, makes salts them. The salt lick of the current era is relationships. And so if you can have what's called, what we call relational apologetics, let me help you try to figure out why you can't have either long relationships or deep relationships. That's, I think that's the best way to care today. That's A lot of our churches based on that. Prayer, care, the last one is share. Share is just like, you want to come to church? <laughs> you know, can I tell you my story with Jesus? Can I tell you how I was able to allow God's Spirit to give me power or courage or whatever? That's prayer, care, share. That's ministry. You have just to re- remind you, I, right, you have this status, you've been set up, you understand what success is, and then you have a model: prayer, care, share. I wanted today, starting off the year, I wanted today to introduce to you a couple of my friends, uh, because they, they understand these three things. They understand their ministers, their priests, they're royal priests. They understand that they, uh, what success is, about you know, like boundaries, just doing the easy stuff. Delegating the hard stuff to the Holy Spirit. And I think the other thing that I really like about them is that they work the model prayer, care, share. A couple of ruffians, Round Rock Fire Department. Guys, why don't you guys come up and introduce yourself? Here's a training video we got from these guys when they were going through training together. <laughs> So uh, the idea here is is that uh, uh, Gunter and Gary are going to tell us a story about ministry based on them being ministers. Uh, Gunter, I think once you start, once you introduce yourself, tell us how you serve in the Round Rock Fire Department and sure. for how long?
0: So uh, for seven years or so, I was Gary's supervisor as the rescue captain at fire station two, and April of last year, I promoted to battalion chief, and now I'm responsible for Four fire stations, not just one. Four stations with five units and up to up to 20 guys. And that's what I do there's now.
1: Your, there's your family up on the screen. which you tell That's us?
0: that's them. Yeah. So there's Lucas all the way on the right. Our our youngest one. That's my beautiful wife, Jamie, and uh, then our much too tall teenage son now, Tristan. And then a little bit in the dark. That's me. Uh, we're watching Germany play in the Euro Cup last year. And uh, yeah, that's us with the war paint and everything. He's German if you didn't know.
1: Yeah, Gunther. <laughs> and um, Gary, tell us a little bit about um, your involvement in the Round Rock Fire Department and how you got involved with that. So I've
2: uh, been with the Round Rock Fire Department for almost 10 years now. Uh, I worked with this guy for about seven years. I've been at, I'm still at the current station where we used to work at the rescue team, the specialized rescue team.
1: All right, and here's a
2: picture of your family. Yeah, there's my beautiful wife, Janelle. And oldest son, Logan, and middle child, Caleb, who's actually sitting right there with his pajamas on today, yeah, um, in the front. And then my daughter, Sammy, Samantha.
1: Great. So, so you didn't start at station two. You started at a different station. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So
2: when I first joined on, I, I was assigned to Central Station. It's a big station. There was up to nine guys per shift working. You know, we'd cook together, train together, eat together. Um, do calls together, you know, work, whatever. And uh, it was really easy there to be comfortable, uh, to kind of hide away if I wanted to or be part of the big group. Um, so, yeah, it was just a real comfortable place so to why, be.
1: So why would you get uh, transferred to Station 2?
2: So I was interested in being part of the technical rescue team. It's like the specialized team, kind of like the special forces in the military, only not nearly as cool. Without guns. <laughs> but you Without get guns, the idea, yeah. you know. For us, it's kind of like our special forces thing. And so I applied and uh, I waited for a little while. An opening came up. So my battalion chief at the time said, hey, you're gonna be moving shifts or to a new new station and everything. I said, oh, where am I going? Uh, Station two B shift. And yeah. Wow.
1: yeah. So here they are, here they are, uh, when they're uh, posing for the paper and here's how they really are in real life, which (laughs) explains why we played that video. Uh, That is to instill confidence of all you Round Rock residents. Thanks to the guys (laughs) looking out for you. What was your first response uh, when you found out you'd be in Station 2 B-Shift?
2: Well, it it was bittersweet. I I was really excited to be part of the special rescue team, Uh, but I was also a little nervous because this particular station and crew had a reputation um, that I was going to be walking into.
1: And what was that reputation?
2: Um, (laughs) So to paint the picture for you a little bit, there's – uh, there's a guy named Mike there who's 6'3", about 280 pounds, used to play, almost made the NFL, very loud, Big very Mike. lively. Big Mike. Uh, the rest of the guys, uh, it was – you know how sailors have a reputation for, for swearing? These guys kind of made sailors look like saints. Um, and I was a rookie, so it was it was an interesting environment to get into, put it that way.
1: And, and uh, Gunter was the captain. He was. <laughs> <laughs> I was.
0: I was supposed to be the parental supervision – as you see in the pictures, yeah, that worked out great.
1: So, but, uh, Gary had a pretty big impact on the station. Um, he did, yeah. And how's that?
0: Uh, so the, the cliff notes would be that Gary introduced us to Christ, or he brought Christ into the fire station. He was the only believer at the station, surrounded by a bunch of non-believers, and he brought that into, into our firehouse and into our crew.
1: And what did that look like? You bringing uh, the big Bible into the animal house? and Yeah,
2: I, I used it as a weapon. I, I would thump him over the head with it every day. Um, no, like I said, I was the I was rookie coming in. I was uh, by far the youngest guy there. And um, if I'm being honest, I, I was first wondering, like, God, really? This gift? Like, I had to go to this station? Um, I spent a lot of days praying, God, help me be a light. And help me to see these men through your eyes, because I'm struggling right now.
1: So, um, I guess it was pretty hard. It would be a lot easier to quit or or just be reassigned. I mean, that would, you know, know, did you consider?
2: Yeah, yeah, actually, Um, I was feeling kind of bitter, kind of frustrated, not really sure my place, trying to find out what I was supposed to be doing. And um, I was wondering, maybe I can transfer, you know, maybe there's some other place I can go, but... I felt a pretty strong pull and tug from the Holy Spirit. He told me to wait and told me uh just to just see wait wait he's gonna do something, you know, and I, I didn't know what that was. Um so I just said God soften my heart for these guys.
1: How how long how long did you have to wait before you <laughs> well, saw
2: God do something? So Um we're part of a life group, some good friends of ours for about 10 years now. There may be some out there, I don't know if I see any. But we're still a life group after 10 years, and I said, guys. I have, I have a prayer request. Pray for these guys at the station.
1: Pray for me. Pray for my heart. Let me, let me jump in real quick. So you were, you were praying for yourself, for your heart to change. Yes. And then you call in for reinforcements. Yes. Go to your home group and say, can you guys pray for me? Because <laughs> I don't want to oh, yeah. pray. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. I'm So sorry. they were praying. We, we prayed
2: a good year, year and a half before we saw really any change at all. And um, They were the the other three guys that were working there. They all had different stories, but the gist of it was they're having marital problems there was some separation, uh, affairs, uh, pornography, all kinds of different issues going on. And, um, it got clear that especially Gunther and, and Mike, the big one I told you about, they were heading toward divorce and they were, their demeanor showed it every day. They were empty. They were hopeless. Um, so after months of prayer, they started opening up to me and sharing some pretty deep things and. God changed my heart like right then. It's like a flip switched and I started looking for ways that I could care for those guys. Um we'd have we'd have conversations, my my personal testimony would get worked in there. Um, and the closer they got to rock bottom, the more vulnerable they got. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit right in front of my eyes, like I I was watching them, the Holy Spirit convict their hearts and change them. And uh they I said, Hey you guys gonna go to church? <laughs> and they're like Hey, why not? Okay. Uh, Well, it's tomorrow. We're working Saturday. It's tomorrow morning. Okay, we'll go. So they came, and, um, you know, know, there was a process there that Gunter's going to talk about in a minute, but they came to Christ. Him and Gunter and his wife Jamie did. Mike and his wife came to Christ. They are involved in ministries. Uh, The conversation. We'd be training at work for a job, and we'd end in praying. We'd end in Bible study. It was just. Incredible to watch.
1: So, um, so he asked Hey, you want to go to church? And you said yes. Why? I mean, why? Why? Is there something about him? What was going on in your life? Tell, like, rewind the tape and tell us the backstory of why you would go to church.
0: So, since we only have twenty minutes, I'm going to try to make this short. So, uh, he was he was bugging me long enough for one, and uh, uh, plus he clearly had it all together. Uh, yeah. Certainly, certainly, oh, yeah, sure. certainly more than I did, and uh, but overall it was just like, sure, why not? Just like he said, why not? And uh, so that was my premise, and my wife Jamie had mentioned it numerous times that we should be more spiritual, whatever that meant at the time, and uh, she sensed that we were having problems, and she would she felt that it would do our marriage some good if we um, attended church in some kind of setting, and. While she didn't know about my affairs at that time, I was more in the mindset of maintaining rather than thriving in my marriage as well as my, as, my, as well as my personal life. So I was clearly living outside of God's will, for sure. I was very much living in the world and resigned to the fact that that's just what you do nowadays. It's, that's the way of the world. That's how, that, that's, that's how that goes. So,
1: But, I mean, your marriage was... It was, for the most part, over, right? You guys were living in separate rooms and yeah. just trying to pay and rent together?
0: Yeah, I was... Um, uh, there certainly didn't look to be in a whole lot of, of hope there. So, internally, it looked just like that. I was, li- I was staying in a separate bedroom. I was leading a married-singles lifestyle uh, more than anything. And for other people, specifically Gary and Janelle, Uh, it showed itself in a way, the the, the hopelessness showed itself in a way that when they decided to get Jamie a Bible, they were going to put her name on it. But they decided not to put her last name on it because there was a very real possibility that it wasn't going to be her last name for much longer. So that's
1: how hopeless it looked. He just found that out two months ago. Yeah. How come my wife's Bible only has her first name? Well, so... (laughs) <laughs> Janelle asked me,
2: she said, should I put a name on last name? I'm like, mm, I
0: don't know, probably not. Yeah. So she buys me a Bible sometime later and she only puts my first name <laughs> on it because she thought that's what you do. <laughs>
1: um, so how, how has um, your spiritual conversion, how has that affected your marriage today?
0: So it all, it all started when we, when we walked into Grace that day when I said, sure, why not, we'll go. So we were walking to this door right there after I got my coffee, I walk in here, it's like a church I've never seen before. And this very table is up here and there's a couple giving their testimony about hopelessness in their marriage and how God saw them through and it completely changed my outlook on my own, on my own situation. So looking at it from a totally different angle, I realized that my life my marriage my kids and everything I have is a gift that not only I never deserved but I also can never repay and that God loves me in in a, in a, in a very special way in a way that that he shows me every day a very tangible uh, through the love that my wife has for me, which is completely unconditional. There's no agenda there, um, and it's very selfless, and that's the way I'm supposed to love my wife, just like Christ loves the church.
1: Right. You didn't have a pattern, and you didn't have a vision for marriage. Now you have a pattern and a vision, Yeah. and, and you take that in your marriage. When they um, uh, experienced their baptism together. It was an amazing time. Uh, John, um, what's his name? He works here. The Baptist. John the Baptist.
2: Yeah. John the Baptist Patterson.
1: Yeah, Pat- John Patterson baptized the two of them together, and they started their, their life outright. How, how has it affected uh, the fire station when you guys were there together? So uh, for the next
0: six or so years, we actually we grew much closer together, not just as a team but, a, but as a fellowship we changed our topics of conversation from just worldly, meaningless, at times, just f- filth, really, to very deep exchanges about our faith, our fears, our joys, regrets, hopes. Uh, we did a Bible study together, a purpose-driven life, I'm sure you guys have heard about it, uh, which was a little awkward at first, uh, but we worked very through awkward. it. Very awkward. Um, We celebrated Easter together. It happened to be on one of our shifts off, so we went to service together at uh, one of our churches and then uh, met at one of the guys' house. Gary would bring his guitar. That was always my my favorite part. In fact, it was my request, my last shift there before I promoted, hey, can you bring your guitar? Because we would, um, he would play, and we would sing anything from Chris Tomlin to Bon Jovi, uh, from Stephen Curtis Chapman to Johnny Cash, and all just sitting on the bumper of the fire truck. But one of the most significant impacts was that if anybody had a need, if anybody had any kind of trouble, any worries, that not only would they feel comfortable enough to reach out and say, hey, can you pray for me, we would pray for each other right then and there. And that was not just with the initial guys, but with everybody who would travel through our firehouse over the next couple of years. Because people come and go, they promote and they move and they transfer, and it just kind of... Uh, progressed through everybody who who came through there, we were able to touch those guys as they were, as they we're passing through. As well. Sure.
1: Gary, how has this experience at the Station uh, Two influenced or transformed you, and maybe your perspective on work?
2: Well, I see it. I see the workplace as a mission field. You know, I've my wife and I've considered uh, overseas missions. You know, which we may do someday. But I realized God was telling me, "Hey." A fire station is your mission field. And despite me, despite my imperfections, which I don't have it all together, by the way, um, he used me as a, as a vessel. And was, I just feel so honored to, to be part of that and just to witness him doing his work. Um, it's increased my faith and give me more boldness. You know, I openly talk about God with people and I don't really care what they think. Um, which I think is kind of fun to see re- people get different reactions, you know? Um, so in fact, it's not just our story. It's, it's ex- expanded since then. Um, we've had literally hundreds of conversations with different guys about God.
1: Big Mike, big Mike comes to Christ. Yeah. His marriage. Yeah.
2: And- he, yeah. He's got back with his wife. They were separated back together. Both became believers, both serving in their church. Um, and he's doing it loudly and boisterously. Yeah. Um, still, he's still big Mike. Um, but just as a few other examples, um, we had another guy come in after uh, Tom left, and uh, he started uh, asking questions. He was kind of new age uh, thinker, and he challenged me a lot, kind of aggressively. And uh, he's actually told me the other day that he's crying during his church service he went to. Um, coming around to Christ, uh, I was, he asked me, one day, hey, so what is the gospel anyways? Like, I hear this all the time. What does it mean? Oh, so I told him the gospel, and little did I know, another guy was in the other room listening, so I go to do laundry, and he says, hey, man, I, kinda, I heard what you guys were talking about. Um, I'm kind of having some struggles of the marriage, and, and, and so I end up praying for him right there, and it just goes on and on, and um, I think, I look, at, I look at this guy, and not only are we deep friends now, but this, we're talking about a, an eternal relationship here that's been changed, and not only that, his whole family has changed, and it's pretty amazing. <laughs> That's right. Pretty amazing to see God work that way. So
1: you guys are awesome to come here and share your story. Thank you. Uh, Just that you Round Rock residents, think about think about the next time you call 911 and and some of these guys station Two, is in a truck on their way there. That truck is praying for you and that God would reveal what they need to do and the way to do it. That's, that's a great way to be a first responder. I mean, I just envision the power of Christ in first responders. That's a great story, you guys. I, I appreciate it. Uh, 2017, here we go. It's a breakthrough year. What I'd like to do now in the short amount of time we have left is tell you about what we're going to do for the next 12 months. And the reason I tell you this is to tell you for your own sake that you would have an open heart to what God might be doing and and the growth and the breakthrough, the changes that you'll be involved in. But also, honestly, it's for your ministry. I want you to be thinking also of the people around you that you have a place of influence in and say, you know what, this would be just a series for them or just an opportunity so we can invite them to church and maybe they might be a little more comfortable uh, in conversations about spiritual matters, okay? So let me tell you what's up for the next 12 months here at your church, Grace. Starting January 15th, we'll start a series called Resolve. Resolve will be a series, it's based on a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Here, here it is right here. Uh, we're renaming it Resolve because the title is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. That's a terrible title. <laughs> in 2011, uh, the elder board and the pastoral staff read through this book together because there was something happening around the country, and we thought we've got to project this on the rest of the congregation. So in 2012, we did a series called Unstuck. It'll be a, a version of that, and it's, it's powerful in that The emotionally healthy part is it applies the spiritual life, the power of God's Spirit into our emotional life because everyone goes through cycles in their spiritual life, and there's plateaus, and the plateaus are dangerous because you can get stuck there. And we'll look at what do plateaus look like, why do you get there, and then how do you keep from being unstuck? You have to resolve to move past these plateaus. So here's what we want everyone to do in our congregation. We want everyone to, one, buy the book. Buy the book. They're $10 in the lobby. You're going to save eighty one $0.86 cents if you buy them from us. Yeah. If you have the book from 2012, it's the same book, just a different cover. Kindle, I think it's $1.99. Buy the book. We'll be going, it'll be the primary. We're going to make it more biblical than this book, but that'll be the reference point that we use. And second, get involved in some kind of community. And here's what we mean. If you're already involved in a life group, we're asking, kind of insisting, that from January 15th, and you could start next week because of the sermon, start studying this series together study resolve together, you guys are in community, let's start talking about how we can be emotionally healthy in our spiritual life. If you don't have a home group, if you're not in a group right now and you don't have other responsibilities, we're gonna try to make this super easy. We've never done this. We'd like you to come to the 915 service to hear the talk and then right across the hallway in our former auditorium we'll have life groups set up right there. We'll have you guys paired up in small groups and you guys can talk about how to apply a lesson you heard 11 minutes before. We'll have discussion group leaders set you up to win. We want you to win and win big, okay? Get involved in a group or change your group or involve yourself in this group by coming to the 9.15 and then moving over to the 11 o'clock in a discussion group time. We'll do that for six weeks, starting on the 15th, and then we're gonna do a series on, in the book of Colossians. It's a book by Paul that is dense, dense with profound and exploding uh, truths, about the nature of Jesus the Christ. And it's so powerful, the nature of Christ in us, that it overflows into our relationships and eventually it gets to our workplace. And that's the outline of the book, the nature of Jesus and how it explodes and overlaps into relationships and the workplace. Next, in the summer, we're going to do a series we haven't done in a long time here, Proverbs. Proverbs is the single most practical book in the Bible. Uh, Whenever I teach at adult camps, uh, most of the time I will teach through this book, uh, Proverbs, because it's so much fun and it's so real life. It's how to learn to live wisely in your work, in your relationships, and in your family if you know anyone who is a parent, bring them to Grace this summer. If they're going to another church, say, just take six weeks off, join us at Grace. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have hand signs. I mean, we apply this to, to our kids when they're growing up. They still know the types of people that are in Proverbs. It's an easy win for everyone involved. Then we'll, in the fall, we'll spend about 11 or 12 weeks in the United Kingdom period. That's First and Second Samuel. And then a very special thing we're going to do in the fall, I want you to be praying right now and up to this point, up to the fall, we're going to do Clear Communications as an outreach. Clear Communications is a series that we've been working on for several years. And last year, we had this team that made it spit shine. It's, it's beautiful. It's some of the best material that we've produced on this campus. And when we did it last year, we had over 100 people meeting on Tuesday nights. And so many people said, if you'd have told me I could have invited all my friends to this. I didn't realize how easy it would be to invite outsiders. And so we're taking their advice. In the fall, we'll have a six-week series on one evening uh, of the week, and we want you to bring everybody you know. You bring your whole, people said, I could have brought my whole management team. We have to learn how to communicate more effectively. I would have brought my neighbors. We're all trying to learn how to parent more effectively. Marriages, And what we're going to do is we're going to set up tables all over the auditorium floor and people that want to clear communicate in marriage over there, with parenting, in work, in, in other relationships, start thinking about it, start praying about it right now. It should be a great year for the context of bringing people and clear communications in Proverbs will be easy wins. What's the purpose? To what end? This is the prayer I prayed at the beginning. This is Colossians. Uh, Colossians chapter one, he says, "We continually ask God to fill us with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, the knowledge of God's will, so that, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in your knowledge of God. Living a life worthy of what you've received in Jesus Christ." with all this fruit, bearing much fruit. So here's my plea for this year, for this Sunday, but for this year, seize this moment. Seize this moment. I don't have time, but I'll just trust this, that about 30 years has gotten this church in this sweet spot. This is the day. This is the time. This is the place. This is so ripe with potential for ministry, this church right now seize this moment. One, be holy. Be holy. God loves using clean instruments. Stop doing what's bad. Start doing what's right. Be holy. Resolve to be right with God. That's complicated. Let's talk some other time. Second, be praying. What, what do we pray? We pray that God would go before us and do the ministry hard stuff, and that we would have the courage to do the easy stuff. Be holy, be praying, finally be willing, be willing. Just like be moldable. You know, like Gary, he felt like the Lord was telling him to have conversations. How do you know it's from the Lord? Because I didn't want to have conversations, (laughs) that's how. That's how you know it's the Lord's will. It's what you don't want to do. People are coming to this church like no, no other time. And they're coming here because you guys are the ministers and you see that and then you bring them. And they're coming here because... God's leading. them. There's so many stories where people just come here because God leads them. And here's, here's the best way you can serve God's body on, on Sunday morning. Be friendly. Every believer is a minister, but every attendee is a greeter here. Every attendee is a greeter. Just smile, shake their hands, make them feel welcome, and say, it is great to have you here at Grace. What are we going to learn about God today? We're going to practice that right now. I want us to stand up. I want you to say happy new year and God bless your ministry in 2017. Let me pray Paul's prayer. Paul prayed this for us 2,000 years ago. He said, For this reason, since the day we heard about grace, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and all the understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power and accordance to the glorious might that we have so that we could have endurance, so that we could have patience. We, we give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of God, the Father who rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son, the Son who loves us, Son who paid the price for our redemption. The son who forgives us of our sins. God, we ask that you would bless this church, bless her indeed. That you would bring people to her. That grace would abound. That this would be a breakthrough here. We'd ask that you would make great things out of us. you make great things out of dust. We'd ask that you'd make great things out of us. Beautiful things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.